Welcome everyone to the Change Starts Here podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom. And in today's episode, we welcome a woman who has been described by some as a strong, progressive, and innovative thinker. Uh, one person said that she is the smartest visionary in schools that they've ever met. Another one said this person's their cat. They are the cat's pajamas, which I still don't understand, but uh, I loved it, so I had to share it. Um, we welcome Dr. Christy Hill today. She is the Associate Soup of Student Services for Mattoon Community School District in Mattoon, Illinois. We dive into really cool topics of innovation. How do you bring a diverse group of people together to solve a problem? How do you make sure that uh, you're looking at everyone's genius and maximizing people's genius in your room? We talk about a really cool community high school that they've built with 28 other local districts. I still don't fully understand how 28 districts can come together for one thing, but it's really neat to talk about. Um, and so if you've been interested in innovation in a district, if you are any size school district that you work in, whether it's big to small, uh, this is a great conversation for you. Dr. Christy Hild has so much energy, um, such a strong voice, and she's so incredibly thoughtful. Um, this is a really fun conversation. Again, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. We need all the support we can get. We, if you already have, we really appreciate your support. Um, and as always, enjoy this conversation. Thanks for listening. Christy, thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate you have, uh, joining us. My pleasure. It's an honor <laughs> to be here. Thank you, Dustin. Yeah, so our first question that we ask everybody is, who are you and what do you love about what you do? Well, my name's Christy Hild, and um, I serve as Assistant Superintendent for Student Services in Mattoon, Illinois, which is a East Central Illinois rural community full of great people. Um, and what I love about I, what I do is I have the opportunity to invest in leaders, empower people to do what they love. Um, I get to situate leadership teams and help clear the path so people can find opportunities to make our community better, to um, give kids opportunities to do things we can't even imagine. So really like what I love about what I get to do is I get to work with a lot of talented people and help them make things happen. Yeah, I think we, you and I may have first met, I think in Indianapolis at a conference years ago. Um, and, you know, it was quick then, you know, you, you ask really good questions, but you're also very passionate about uh, supporting your team. And so have you always been passionate about being an educator? Like, you know, from time you're in kindergarten on, were you just ready to be a teacher and work your way through the education world? Yeah, I think so. Um, so both of my parents are public educators. And so some of my earliest memories are going with my mom to her classroom and helping her get it set up for her kids coming the next year. And my dad was a U.S. history teacher, and he really instilled values of learning and um, public education as the great equalizer and opportunity and helped us understand that the power of democracy is in educated people. And we traveled a lot and we got to meet lots of different people. And I remember thinking at a really young age, there are a lot of really cool people in the world with a lot of unique talents. And I want to get to know as many. And I didn't have the language at the time, but really what I was passionate about was empowering people, giving people a platform to make a difference. And whether that was like being a camp counselor or a coach or eventually a teacher, you know, it was all about that. It was all about, um, you know, finding people's unique talents and then encouraging them to use them to make whatever group we were a part of better. And it's funny because I don't think that people inherently see their talents sometimes. I don't know if you feel that way. Oh, Absolutely. You know, it's like you just get up and you go through life and it's just, well, I am who I am. And people don't recognize like you are who you are, but nobody else can see what you just saw or can do what you just did or can help this group in that way. And that fascinates me. I love that. I love figuring out what people's unique gifts and talents are and then empowering them to use them for the greater good. And that's to me what my position is. Like I get to do that every day as a job. And so we've created a culture here of coaching, a culture of empowering people to unleash potential and, and, 
And I think so, yeah, to answer your question, I always knew that's what I wanted. It's been an interesting path to get here, as many of our paths are, um, but it's awesome. So tell me about that. I'm curious because I, I think one of the things that we've talked about with this Change Start to Your podcast is that leadership and real impact in life is full of failures and you fail forward, mm. it's full of left turns and right turns and you just kind of end up there. So I'm curious, how, what, what's unique about your path? Yeah, so isn't that the truth? Uh, interesting journeys <laughs> get yeah. us where we are. Um, so I went to school to be an education major and I knew I wanted to work with kids. Um, but then about halfway through college, I was like, yeah, but I also want to explore the world. And so I took this semester where I explored communications and leadership and did some studying abroad. And it, it widened my understanding of what education could be. Um, and so I, I was hired mid-year as a third grade teacher in Lockport, Illinois. I'll never forget uh -huh. the chance that my mentor took on me. And I came in in January to a class of 26 kids. And I can probably name all of them still. 19 of them were boys. <laughs> and wow. it was just this energetic group, right? And every step of the way, I had a mentor calling out things like, hey, you're doing a really great job of this. Have you ever thought? Within that first year, I had my superintendent come to me and just say, you seem to see things differently. And I would really encourage you to do some advanced studies. I'm like, okay, I love learning. So then that mentor planted that seed and I got my master's in leadership and my professors at the University of Illinois really encouraged different thinking. Yep. And I feel like every step of the way, there's been somebody saying, hey, you should read this or, hey, I want to connect you to this person. And all of those opportunities led me to, you know, different positions that leveraged that learning. Um, and so when we think about, you know, change, that's change. Change is essentially in engaging someone in your organization or someone on your team that helps you see things differently and then arrive at, you know, a better outcome. Um, and so each team I've been able to be a part of, I feel like I've been made better because of the people that I work with. And I think in some ways, like I've left those organizations a little bit better just in terms of like, encouraging the greatness of all the team members who were there. Um, so yeah, I ended up in Mattoon by pure luck. My <laughs> One of my favorite mentors, Larry Lilly, former superintendent, hired me and kept encouraging, you know, moving me along. That's so, awesome. How long have you been in Mattoon yeah. now? I think this is my 14th year. Wow, okay. Yeah. Not trying to age you in any ways. I'm just curious. Right. Um, yeah, it's a time machine, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, I reached out to a few folks that uh, work closely with you and know you very well. And I've been told by some of them that they consider you to be a strong, progressive, and innovative thinker. One person said, you'll like this one because you're incredibly humble uh, and you always make it about others. But one person said, you're the smartest visionary in schools that they've ever met. And another person said that you are the cat's pajamas, which I didn't ask for a clarification <laughs> just because I wanted to leave it there because I don't know anybody who's listening can interpret that however they want because I don't know what the cat's pajamas is. <laughs> I just assume you should take it as a compliment. Um, what advice, so cat's pajamas aside, what advice would you have for people um, to become, like how, how can they better uh, develop themselves to be a progressive and innovative thinker? Like what are those things that you do, even if you don't consider yourself to be that, what are those things that you do that help you uh, stay innovative? Wow. I mean, surround yourself with great people, right? <laughs> like surround yourself with great people. Um, hire people who are smarter than you. Um, read, visit. So just last week I had an incredible conversation with a leader um, in another school district in Ohio. And I think that's a piece of it, right? Like it's, it's keeping your perspective broad enough to realize the challenges that we face as humans here in Mattoon are very likely similar to challenges that are being faced globally. So how can I identify and connect with smart people who are finding new paths and then learn from each other? and not be shy to ask questions. You know, um, 
find results that you admire and then ask questions and partner. And ultimately, you know, most of the time it becomes a mutual relationship where, you know, you don't realize you have things to offer too, but in that give and take, you know, I'm learning and growing on behalf of the organization and bringing that greatness back to help our people continue to innovate and feel supported and grow. But similarly, we're sharing ideas and wins that we don't even really recognize. And they're like, oh, tell me how about this? And how did you guys do that? And so I just think it's an engaging. It's just engaging with people and forming relationships. Well, um, and that's been big. Give us a concrete example. I think I know at least one or two myself, just from your stories of, from other times you and I've talked, but where you put yourself out there where you're like, I've got to go try to solve this challenge in my district. I'm going to go learn because I saw this conference or I saw this leader or this thought leader and I'm going to go find out that led to something really cool for your district and your kids and your staff. Yeah. So that question essentially summarizes my job totally. So it's, <laughs> it's perfect. Like that's what I think it is, right? Is um, it's this connection with my community and the region and, and asking employers and asking families and asking the community, really seeking to understand who are we developing? What do we need? And then how do we fill that gap, right? So like from an employability standpoint um, or from like college recruiter standpoint or from transformational leaders, who do we need? And then how do we in Mattoon cultivate those outcomes? So an example of that was in 2018, our community engaged in a process called Mattoon in Motion. And it was just that we, we brought together stakeholders from all areas, you know, from economic stakeholders, ministerial alliance, families, um, chambers of commerce, teachers, firefighters, everybody came together um, across the region and said, what are our assets? What are our strengths? And how do we build on them? And then secondly, what are our gaps? What are our opportunities? And how do we fill them? We formed these these groups, um, these study groups, and one of them was youth development. And we realized there was a gap between what traditional schools were providing and what the world needed, right? Like this is no different than all my colleagues across the United States. And, And the pandemic helped accelerate that. It turned up the volume a little bit. Like, hey, maybe the same way we've done things for hundreds of years isn't adequately preparing graduates for the world that they're gonna serve and lead. So what can we do? So we started exploring, like, what are successful, innovative models of learning? How do we meet the learner where they are? And we, we visited a school district in Colorado, Westminster Public Schools. We consider them thought partners now. Uh, we've been twice. And they were doing some really cool things with personalization, um, with personalizing learning experience in terms of pace, also interests, strengths. Really, they were identifying unique talents and needs and then working with their teachers to personalize instruction. It was like, oh, wow, if we could do this and we could incorporate some of these leadership skills for the 21st century, we could likely produce better students who are more well-equipped to serve and whatever their dreams might be, whatever their path. And along that journey, we we, um, got to start working with Dr. Robert Marzano who now is a partner of our district and is helping us with some like really detailed things to help equip our staff to do that. Cause that's kind of big abstract, like, okay, personalized learning. How do you do that? I was like taking notes about radius. Let's dive in. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, no. So it's like, okay, let's personalize learning. Also as a teacher, I need to um, do attendance and also have morning meeting. Oh, and I've got to plan the party on Friday. Oh, and I've got three kids who are sick and I've got two families to call back. So it's like, thank you. That's a great idea. When would you like me to do that? Yep. So it was this perfect blend of Dr. Marzano's logistics of how you become a personalized or a competency-based system, along with our belief about relationship and about, you know, developing the golden goose, like, right? It's like the production, production capacity. How do we continue supporting our teachers that led us to this culture of coaching? And so we have built this system of coaches who help invest in our teachers so that they can understand ways to personalize 
with proficiency scales and a pacing guide and using technology and also developing the social, emotional and leadership skills of, of, our, of our youth um, in order to transform outcomes. Because you know what our teachers need absolutely is the same thing as all people need. Like they need to feel well, they need to feel whole. And a piece of that wholeness for our educators is ongoing professional learning. Like they want to keep getting better. They want to feel like their outcomes are effective. So, and so let, me, let me just ask real quick. I, I part of my main job uh, as managing director is I travel across the U.S. and talk to different superintendents, different principals, um, and find out what their main challenges are. And one of the trends I've seen after the pandemic, like during this this year currently, mm-hmm. is there have been, and I don't know if I agree or disagree with this, but I don't mean to call anybody out, but I felt like you're saying part of taking care of educators is still giving them professional development. I have seen some districts think that they are giving back to their educators by taking those days away and just saying, have that day to yourself. What, where does your thinking land? Because I think what their spirit is, I mean, again, it's all with a good heart. Their theory is, how do I love you and just give you your time? Because right now you need that space. How do you, how do you balance that? And why do you? 100%. That's so spot on. Super smart question, because that is at the heart of leadership in education at this time. There is no question that our most valuable resources are teachers. There's no question. Like we believe that in the context of strong relationships, that's where kids discover their unique talents. That's where kids are going to make academic progress. That's where they're going to just really start to develop self-worth. So, and, and, and that has to happen in the context of close relationship, which is teacher-student or student-student. So our teachers have to be well. And there are many approaches to what teacher wellness is. We believe, we believe in that too, that teacher wellness is the whole person. And part of the reason these people became educators is because they want to make a difference in kids' lives. They want kids to succeed. When we looked at our our learning recovery data, we had educators in tears. They were crushed. And it's not because they felt a sense of like, oh, I failed. Not that at all. It's because they had this overwhelming sense of empathy and care for their kids. And they want to rise to that challenge. 100%. There's absolutely a balance, right? Like you, you can't pour from an empty cup. So we do need to give them time. We have a wellness committee that basically tried to come up with some supports for teachers that are unique, like physical wellness, financial wellness, um, therapy, offering those kinds of counseling. But we also believe a piece of it is like they identify themselves as professionals and they are called to serve their students and they want to feel affected. So effective. So when they also recognize this gap, whether it was from, you know, economic leaders who are saying like, Hey, you know, we need graduates with these tools and dispositions, whether that was the gap or it was welcome back after a horrendous pandemic where we have trauma and we have learning loss and we have behavioral challenges when they're faced with that gap, they want to fill that gap. And when they feel effective, that also refills their bucket. It does. And it's a balance, Dustin, for sure. Like we can't have all these required professional developments because not everybody, not everybody, you know, lives and leads that way, but we absolutely have to provide the opportunity. And, And so we have, we have. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, what I hear you say, like, even when I was a teacher, I remember I, even if I was at my burned out stage, you know, everybody has it throughout over the course yeah. of every year or however many years you've been in it. Um, if it was good professional development, there were really solid professional development that I felt like was just captivating and right on time. It was amazing. But if it wasn't solid, if it wasn't just felt like an add on. And so I do think it's really important for uh, someone in your role to be really critical of like, is this excellent PD or not before you pass it along? And I also like the fact of what you just said, there's some choice in it, right? To where we want you to have it and, you know, you're not getting penalized, but we want our best leaders to be constantly developing themselves. Absolutely. And what you just said is so important is defining what is good PD, What is good? What is quality? And for us, it's when it aligns with our vision. Is this going to help us get better at what you've all said is most important to you? That's good PD. Are these experts 
who are widely and widely known as leaders in their field? Is it optional? And then are we equipping the leaders who want it with the tools and resources to then affect their colleagues? So maybe I don't want to join you know, a, a webinar on Monday night, because I've got a kid at home, we've got three practices, and I'm tired. But maybe I want to record it. Or maybe I can rely on my friend Tim, who goes to come down to my room Tuesday morning, and over a cup of coffee, he can distribute his leadership and knowledge to me that way. And so it's creating those conditions for choice, but it's not withdrawing. So one of the things that you said in there uh, was about how your teachers came back from the uh, COVID pandemic, uh, looking at the learner recovery data and just feeling empathetic. And I, I believe I read a article in your local newspaper about um, just an innovative approach, you know, like called power hour stretch time. Yeah. What was the genesis of that? Because I feel like that I could have as much empathy as possible, but I'm coming back and you're like, oh, but we're going to redo the schedule. And the first hour is going to be this and the last hour is going to be that. That doesn't feel intuitive of welcome back from craziness. Here's yeah. some shifts. So tell me yeah. how that happened, how that worked. Well, you know, again, I, I think the key is surrounding yourself with smart people and saying like the answers in the room, guys, let's get creative. If there were no barriers, what would we do? And oftentimes in school systems, barriers are things like time and schedule. Like those are barriers. Like, well, if we had more time, we'd do this. Or if we didn't have to have kids switch every hour, we would do this. So we said, let's, let's take down barriers and let's just brainstorm. What, what could we do? And this was an idea that was generated from um, our leadership teams. And essentially the key was, again, choice. Um, you know, we offered before school, after school, in the middle of school, um, at our middle and high school levels. And kids who needed that and wanted it came. And it's interesting because we started from a place of academic results, like, oh, wow, we have all these kids who have failed and or or they're way behind in their, their reading competencies. And we need to really try to like boost that and provide that. But what we found was that a lot of the students who wanted to take advantage of it also had gaps in social connectivity. Mm. They just wanted to connect. They, they wanted, you know, that space where they were seen as a whole person. And yeah, we're going to work on reading and we're going to work on math, but I also am connecting with an adult again um, in a way differently than on the computer screen. Um, and so that's where it started. And then it just continued to evolve and grow based on what our results were telling us. And we had lots of families thankful for that extra time. You know, we, we provided food, we provided transportation. We were like, what are all the barriers we can take down? So if you or your child wants to participate, they can do that. So outside of, I mean, it's really, that's really great. And I love what your answer was. It's not like you came up with it or, you're, you know, just one or two people in a room. It was, mm -hmm. how do we get really smart folks who are going to be on the front lines of this to figure out a solution for it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the idea of taking barriers down. I think, you know, every district has its own unique challenges. So it's important to have people think through all of those. Outside of the pandemic, what have been the biggest challenges your district has faced in the last five years? Mm, that's a really good question. I, I think, I think a large challenge for our region and it impacts schools is just kind of like um, employability, economic wellness, and this is kind of a few steps away from like schools, right? But really, schools can be a change agent in that. And so, you know, we're producing happy graduates, and they're going on to do things, but not all. So a challenge that we face as a district is to really ask that question, like, are we satisfied? Is, are our results aligned with our beliefs about kids and about their abilities and their potential to change the world? And if we aren't satisfied, what needs to change? And I'm so proud to be in a community and work in a district where people are like, yeah, you know, we are doing well, but we can do better. And because of that, we took on some really crazy cool projects and we're doing some really crazy cool things. Um, but the, I'd say that's probably been the biggest challenge is making sure that our outcomes match what our region and the world needs. So we're preparing kids to succeed.
Yeah, so it's kind of that genesis of Mattoon in motion in some ways, yeah. right? Like identifying yeah. that problem. And so I know you're talking, it's very nice for you to not just dive right into the really cool projects. But we started this conversation before we started to hit record talking about Lyft. And so I'm curious, can you dive a little bit into that and how that became an answer to the challenges that you were trying to address? Oh, man. So when you asked me what I love about my job, Lyft is the uh, concrete example of empowering people. So Lyft stands for Leaders Innovating for Tomorrow, and it is a seven-story building right across the street from where I'm sitting right now. It's 50,000 square feet of opportunity. Um, This building is currently being renovated to become an innovation high school that will serve students from uh, 28 school districts who choose to come and think about doing high school, a piece of high school a little bit differently. Um, And so we are calling it a leadership institute and an innovation high school because a core piece of all the programming we're going to offer is developing the leader in every student that attends there. Um, So we'll have programs in seven areas and those areas came from some uh, data that our Chamber of Commerce collected from over 450 businesses saying like, what's most important? What do we need? And then some, you know, trend predictions in terms of workforce. So we're going to be teaching students and partnering with students in industry in the areas of communications and uh, childcare and uh, information technology, green energy. We're going to have a really cool electric vehicle line of study, Um, construction and electricity, and then... um, We're going to have a leadership institute, which our partners at Franklin Covey have been incredible in terms of offering courses that like Fortune 100 executives take, right? Like we're talking about equipping 16 and 17 year olds with content from, you know, four disciplines of execution to unconscious bias to, I mean, you name it, it's going to be incredible. And then the sixth floor is going to be a culinary arts institute, a a fully operational um, restaurant with rooftop views and The reason that we're developing all this programming is because it is a potential answer to the gap. Um, You know, the gap we started talking about as a challenge. And so we believe once you identify a challenge, take your your best and greatest and all your resources and find some solutions. And that's what this really is going to be. We'll be serving about 420 students at a time and equipping them with you know, industry credentials, certifications, dual credit, internships, externships, you name it, um, and really just leadership skills. So whatever path they choose, they can either join the workforce, they can apply to an Ivy League school, they can start their own business. Um, they're well equipped to do that here in Mattoon and across the region. And uh you know, that's the epitome of, of our why. This is like why we do what we do. It's equipping, think about equipping that many kids at ages 16 and 17 and 18 with those kinds of tools, in addition to a great high school core curriculum um, to get them ready to go out and change the world. That's awesome. This this reminds me, a, sorry, I usually don't do this. I'm like going back on my notes right now. So I just interviewed a gentleman named Dr. Farouk Day who is, let me, let me make sure I get his title right because I've slaughtered it a few times, the Vice Provost for Integrative Learning in Life Design for John Hopkins University. Well, so that's a cool job. <laughs> yeah. And he, so like he, he literally says, I've got here, it says he gets to teach life design for a living. One thing that like this sparks, right? So that's really cool. It's kind of what you say. He just describes mm-hmm. it in a different way. But one thing that I really appreciated that he said, he said, you know, I've always been, I don't know if you've been this way, but I've always been, when I think about those seven levels, if I, if my son, one of my sons were, was attending, I'd be like, you know, just find your passion, figure it out. Yes. But what he says, this is great. This is why it was like rock my world. Cause I am a find your passion and just be successful at your passion. What he says, the idea of finding passion is flawed. And his point is you construct your passion by following your curiosity. So ask Mm -hmm. yourself, instead of asking what your passion is, ask Mm -hmm. yourself what you're curious about, dive into it, and then fail forward. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you had the seven levels, be like, I'm curious about running a restaurant. They go to the seventh floor, they start learning about it, like, 
I've done the internship. I'm out. I'm going to pivot and go down a different level somewhere around there. And so I, I just think it's so powerful yeah. to think through like all those different options and thinking the goal is let's figure out how do we spark curiosity in our kids to, in a safe place to what he says, fail early on so that, you know, part of success is embracing failure and trying new things and constantly staying curious. Hundred percent. And if I could be so bold to add on to his philosophy, I would also say it's your curiosities paired with knowing your unique talents, right? Yes. So, like, I'm curious about curious about this. Oh, and I also know that naturally I'm a connector or a maximizer, or I'm gifted in organizing, right? So it's like that intersection of I'm really curious about this. I think it's kind of cool, and I <laughs> because if you're curious, you are you're willing to do the work. Right. Like think about like your life. What have been the things that you're like, I'm willing to dig in. I'll watch seven hours YouTube videos on that. It's really cool. <laughs> like you're curious about it. So you're willing to do the work. And that is what sometimes traditional high schools miss with kids. Right. Like, you know, you're going to take this class because it's the next required class. And there's some of that that you just have to deal with in life. Like I got to file my taxes, not my favorite thing, but I got to do it. Yep. So there's a little bit of that as a high schooler. But then how much more powerful to say, and we see you as a person. And we recognize that, you know, what might light your fire might be a little bit different than, than theirs. So let's learn about that. And then to your point, let's learn what doesn't work before we go and spend two years and $60,000 at a university. And you're like, Oh, I thought I wanted to be a vet, but I don't really like animals. So yes. about that. <laughs> yes. That, that was a lot of his theory was just trying to help folks have a safe place to yeah, it's like narrow. fail forward. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, so him. Did I, did I hear you've got, uh, so 28 school districts can participate in this? Yes. 28 How does that even districts. work? Oh my gosh. It's so cool because it's like, once again, if you're like, okay, let's pretend that barriers don't exist. What would we build? This is what <laughs> we would build. So then we're like, all right, let's just knock down the barriers. Um, it starts with relationships. I feel like everything I've talked about today starts with relationships. So like we know these people, right? Like we, it's not just 28 districts that are names, you know, our regional office does a great job of bringing us together annually. And so it's principals that we've gone to school with or it's superintendents that we connect and network with. And so over 30 years, this idea of a, a regional school has been kind of percolating and there are always questions like, yeah, but who would be in charge and where would we build it? And how would we, you know, how would we govern? And kudos to our board here in Mattoon to say, you know what, we're willing to take the lead. We will buy this building from Consolidated Communications. Um, you know, their CEO was always a steward of education and such a great partner for us. So they, they made it like almost impossible to say no, but our board's like, we'll take that on and we'll take on the $12 million renovation cost of it. We will do that because we see this vision and, and just knocking down that barrier of who's going to do it, where's it going to be. It's like, Oh, we've been talking about this. This is a need. These needs from the economic viewpoint are not unique to Mattoon surprise. It's all towns are saying is like, you know, we're preparing graduates and they're graduating, but maybe they're not quite ready for the world we're now living in. And so shared problem, shared challenges. And it's like, Hey, this could be a shared solution. So we basically are going through the technicalities of, you know, intergovernment agreements and saying, you can send your kids here just like, you know, we would maybe send them to a different school. So yep. we're just forming partnerships and through strong relationships, we're figuring it out. Um, and kids are excited. I, I mean, who wouldn't be? You should see the designs. The architect that we work with is phenomenal. Plus we've got partners like Franklin Covey and Johnson Controls. And I mean, it's like... Of course, you know, we're excited, um, but that's how it works. It's kind of back to your, your comment about curiosity. Like they also have kids who are curious about communications and maybe want to be a YouTuber, but what they really want is to be able to communicate <laughs> with a large audience, right? So that's communications. Let's get them hooked up with a broadcasting pathway or a digital communications pathway. And while we can't all afford to do that individually as 28 small districts, hey, when we come together, a beautiful example of synergy like we can afford it we can do it and i might only have two kids but hey those two kids could be world changers let's nope. say yes to them come on bring them on <laughs> over so we're figuring it out <laughs> I'm, I'm curious given your energy and the fact that you said this building is across the street from the window you look out uh is that a good thing or bad thing for the folks over there because i feel like if you have an idea <laughs> 
you're like, oh, I'm going to go say the hi to them real quick and tell them I got some thoughts. <laughs> well, I am very, very excited, but I am also very aware of the strong leaders who are already doing the work. So like we had um, eight focus groups that met over a period of about oh, six months and they got really clear on what they wanted in terms of curricular outcomes, dispositions of personnel, and space and design. So again, it goes back to like hire smart people. We hired free smart people on these advisory teams who just wanted to say, wanted to be able to say like, hey, if I could design it, this is what I would want. And we had our architects sit in on that. We had students, amazing student voice there that actually changed the entire layout of the fifth floor, which is our leadership institute. Mm -hmm. It was really cool executive suites. And they were like, hey, we said collaboration is the most important thing, but we've got a lot of walls. So those two things don't really match. And we were like, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. Totally new design. And um, so I think I am very excited and I'm super supportive of the work that the powerful leaders are doing. And I trust them. I trust the facilitators we've hired to develop amazing curriculum. And so now my job is to find a way to say yes to what they see. You know, like the vision is there. It was built many people before me. I'm just perfectly positioned and very, very lucky and very grateful to be here now looking out my window, as you said. At the so when does this open? August, 2022. Okay. Wow. It's happening. Uh, right around the corner. It is happening. Mm -hmm. When did, when did this uh, start as a, like a twinkling in someone's eye? Oh man. So we're coming up on the one year anniversary of a consolidated communications person, friend who knocked on the door of our superintendent and said, Hey, you guys have a minute. I'm like, sure. Come on in. Had a conversation at nine o'clock that morning, 10 o'clock that morning, we were touring. And by about one o'clock that afternoon, we had like desks cleared, giant <laughs> post-its up on the wall. So that was February 26th, I believe 2021. So here we are a year later and we have, you know, from concept to concrete, um, it's happening. That, that sparks. So I think anybody, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of serving in a district capacity as well. And I would say when you just described that kind of day, I know that's a rare day when someone <sighs> walks in, here's an idea, all that, but it's like one that will change your life forever. And so what are the keys to be able to build a district culture mm. where that can happen, right? Because you have the unique uh, pressures and challenges of a school board, right? Yeah. Um, you got to have uh, the right type of thinking in the district. So what are some key ingredients to kind of build a culture to where other district leaders who are listening can have moments like the one that you got to experience? Mm. Oh, man, that's a great question. I think there's a few things. I mean, I want to recognize and acknowledge again, like, being perfectly positioned at the right time. So there is a culture that has been built, right? So the superintendent prior to, you know, our current superintendent, he, he and our assistant superintendent of human resources brought on this um, hiring protocol. And so we started hiring people based on purpose, which is, mm. so now over, you know, 30 year period, we've created this culture of people who value relationship first. And because of that, you know, we are able to do things like professional development in a pandemic. Why? Because they value their relationships and want to serve their students and their students' families as well as they can. So that culture over time paired with, I think, leaders who are committed to ongoing learning and bringing as many people into that learning as possible, right? So we've been going on site visits for two and a half years learning about what are the best practices, getting the best outcomes out there. What are those schools doing and how might we do it? And I mean, we're talking about hundreds of people. We took a bus of, I think, 40, 49 regional leaders to go see some cool stuff happening at high schools. And all that happened, you know, a couple of years prior to the knock on the door, February 26. So I think the culture is built over consistent commitments to improvement yep. into a vision, like understanding what your community and the people you serve need, and then just, you know, being relentless in the pursuit well, of that greatness. So within that, that's, that's really cool and inspiring in its own right. I, I think 
the, the other little challenge, which could be a big challenge depending on your community, is how do we make sure the school board mm. like embraces it, wraps its arms around it, and allows yeah. the freedom for you guys to hire people with relationships and to take innovative chances and to, to your point, take the lead on a collaboration of 28 districts. Yeah. So I think that just comes back to our core paradigms. And we talk, we talk a lot about believing everyone can be a leader and everyone has genius. And sometimes we focus that in our schools, but that's a life paradigm, right? So yeah. like you have seven people on your board of education, Illinois seven, who have chosen to run for office. Yikes. I mean, they're, they're choosing this. They, they're going to put themselves out there to run for office so they can serve families in our community and make our schools better. So you got to start from that paradigm. You've got to, you've got to believe that, right? You got to assume the best intent and you got to believe that. And then you got to find a way to understand like, what are their unique strengths and interests the same way you would a leadership team? Cause they are your leadership team. And then how do we situate them to contribute based on Mm. those interests and strengths and abilities. And by so doing, not only are you going to, you know, it's not about getting your initiatives passed. It's about, they're going to make your initiatives better. They're going to say, Hey, you know, we've been talking a lot about this. And in my field, I am a police officer. And I feel like if we had these communication skills in our, you know, organization, we might be better. We might be better off too. So then that helps inform or, Hey, I work at a local university and, and I've been doing research on this and I want to bring that to the table. So I think it's, it's a relationships again, and it's trusting the best intent. And even if people who are on your board, maybe don't come across as like being an ally, they're there for a reason. They're there because they care. It's not because of the pay or the notoriety, right? Like it's a tough time to serve in public office and they've chosen that life. So figuring out why, listening, being humble, recognizing that while we have ideas and, and expertise, so do they, and neither one of us is always 100%, right? So I just think it's it's putting the work in to build relationships and bringing people into that culture and having them be part of things. Yeah, that's awesome. I think uh, as we're talking this out, I feel like uh, when Lyft opens, uh, I would love, so with Dr. Farouk, he's got uh, a life design center opening on John Hopkins University here in the spring. And I'm going to go out there and do another conversation podcast with them and folks that are impacted by it, just to understand it more. I would love to be able to do it with some of your kiddos uh, oh, down yes. in the basement, uh, just like so we can get oh. together and talk about the future. See? Oh my gosh, such a good idea. And wait till you see this design. So like the company Threshold Acoustics did the design and they designed Columbia, like Columbia, like college in downtown Chicago. They did. I mean, it is like a dream come true, Dustin. Like I pinch myself on the daily, like we're building this for kids and who knows what they're going to do. I mean, it just opens up opportunities, but we would love to have you. We're going to have a partnership day actually. So we're August 1st is our um, hopeful like target date. We're right on track, so we're confident in that. But we'll have a partnership evening, and we'd love to invite you to come join us and do a tour and meet all the people who, whose great ideas will be coming to fruition. So Yeah, I mean, that and I want to see your office. For those of you who cannot see <laughs> this podcast, she ha- Christy has figured out a way to have this massive room in an old post office building as her office. And it's because, I guess, she did all the hard work of cleaning it and no. fixing it up, but it looks awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we've got a great team and I have a beautiful office. I'm very yeah. lucky. Very, very yeah. lucky. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, simple questions that we ask every guest this season. First question is, what habits or disciplines do you use on a daily or weekly basis that you believe help set you up to be the most successful version of yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely habit one. Everything comes back to like, I have choice. It's, it's always that. When I'm feeling a little bit grumpy or off, I'm like, okay, I need to check myself before I wreck myself. <laughs> it's usually, you know, I need to like get right there. And then um, two of my all-time favorite quotes are, you know, it's prioritization and it's not scheduling your priorities it, it is scheduling your priorities instead of the other way around. Like don't prioritize all your tasks instead, like set those big rocks. That's really, really important. And for me, those big rocks are people always, always. 
And when I'm with the people, it's inspiring them to see their greatness and their potential impact. And I think those things along with like habit one of just like taking control of, of my responsibility here on earth and in this little circle of influence that I have, like recognizing that, you know, I have choice and, um, you know, that time to reflect is always really, really, really important. Um, and so those things, I think priorities are big for me and then, and then people. Yeah. So those are my, my biggies. That's awesome. Um, second question, what book or books have either been really influential on your career or just something that you've read recently that matters? And if you're not a reader, what podcasts or what other way you consume information has impacted you? Well, I read all the time. Like reading is my probably favorite hobby. Um, absolutely. The seven habits. I mean, I know that's kind of a cliche, cliche answer maybe, but it, it's so true. Um, and everything that I, I, I read, I read a lot of philosophy still. I read a lot of practical leadership books. Um, Lean In was one of my favorite, favorite books about women in leadership. Um, but when I read Seven Habits, the thing that I think is so relevant about it, no matter when it was published, is that, you know, Dr. Covey always said, like, he didn't invent the habits, he packaged them, and they're just principles, and it's timeless. And so um, I think there's so many ways that those, those habits can be um, applied. And we've been really fortunate to be able to start that in some family academies, too, to help families really get clear on their end in mind and so I just see that one playing out. And I think if I had to pick a book, um, you know, the Bible for me first and then seven <laughs> habits would be right, you know, probably the, the next biggest one. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, all right. I'm curious about this one, given your uh, personality. So uh, we started with Jeffrey Canada. I don't know if you've heard of Jeffrey Canada before, but he's an amazing, amazing man out of, uh, started something called the Harlem Children's Zone in New York. And so uh, someone gave me the courage to ask him what's on his playlist and he loved the question. So I'm going to ask you when you're driving to work or home or working out, wherever you visualize really enjoying a playlist of music, what is on your playlist? Artists, uh -huh. type of music, songs, like I just need to know. All right. So in my office, it's typically like classical Zen, but if I'm driving, working out, I've got some Otis Redding, some James <laughs> Taylor, some Carol King. Um, yeah, I, and I like pop too. I like pretty much everything, but I'd say, you know, Otis Redding is like a good one. Nora Jones is another another fave. So That's yeah, great awesome. question. I love it. <laughs> I want to know about you. What are you listening to? Dustin, maybe it's something I need to add in my rotation. Uh, I will say uh, I have a song that I start every day with. It's called Joyful. Um, and if you listen to that song and aren't just like ready just to go, Love people and be about the day. It's by a guy named Dante Bo. It's called Joyful. Right. Dante uh, Bo. You can hit me up Great. after this. That's just my personal thing of like, I, I've been, you know, one of the blessings of having all these great conversations is that you get to learn from just amazing people. And a person uh, recently uh, was just talking about, I set my intention. That was their answer. Every day I wake mm. up, I set my intention, which is for me, you know, like, to, one of the things for me is like, this is the day, like this is the day, only day I have. I don't mm -hmm. have tomorrow promise. So I'm going to be joyful. And no matter what comes, I'm just going to be joyful and embrace the tough things that come my way, the positive things that come my way. And I would say in the last, you know, 10 years of life, um, that setting of intention has probably made the biggest impact um, over any other thing. So that song that. sets me there. <laughs> yeah. And, and truly what you're talking about, Dustin, is kind of like the same thing. That's the habit of choice. Like yep. you're choosing that intention. Right. And yeah, same for me. Like when I'm in the morning, I'm doing my devotionals and writing things out. It always comes back to that. Like, what are my choices going to be today? Whether, whether it's in a moment or it's yep. like now setting that intention. So I love it. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Enjoy it. It's great. And so anyways, uh, last question, and you maybe kind of already answered it accidentally earlier, but um, great leaders like yourself are surrounded by, like you said, really smart people, mm -hmm. you know, on social media, you may follow really interesting people. And so you're exposed to, uh, and you read a lot. So really cool quotes, uh, something that mm -hmm. just inspires you to lead differently, love differently, serve differently, grow differently, like you've talked about. Um, What's a recent quote that just hit you like a ton of bricks that you can't get out of your head right now? Or one you've had for, it could be timeless, that you just never been able to get out of your head that mm. you love to share with people? Yeah, so the the biggie that I try to live my life by is, um, you know, 
is basically love thy neighbor. That's it. That's it. It's love people. It's always that. Um, it's, I have a new commandment and it's love, love each other. Like I've loved you. That's it. It's loving. And then, you know, in terms of like practically, what does that look like for me? It's, it's the quote about leadership is affirming someone else's worth and potential so clearly that they start to believe it about themselves. And that's some, that's a way that I can love people. And, um, and that's it for me. We, I meant to go down that path earlier because you, you, we talked about both how we see, you know, folks that just don't see their greatness. Mm-hmm. And if we're honest at times, like I don't see mine, like sometimes, like it's tough. Like what do you do to help you center yourself on your unique gifts in a way that gives you the confidence, right, to start looking for others? That's a great question. I think it's reflection. I think it's time. We live in a busy world and I think it's easy to just get in that whirlwind of like tasks and people and phone calls and emails and texts and kind of live up here instead of like stop and pause and and really think about, you know, am I living a principle centered life? Am I using my day, my maybe only day? Am I using my time aligned with priorities and, um, you know, knowing my faults, I think too, like what sometimes trips me up, you know, what, what sometimes gets in the way of other people being able to contribute when I get excited or if I have ideas, you know, how, how can I mitigate some of those challenging character traits um, in addition to maximizing those, those unique gifts that we were given. And, and um, so really Dustin, for me, it comes down to time, like taking the time to think in the morning and then reflect at night. That's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, I've got three kids under eight right now. So eight, five, and one. <laughs> and so what I, I feel like the morning, this that song, Joyful, and just like dancing around the house, my kids think I'm an idiot uh, as I just get excited for the day uh, has been great. But the nighttime, after trying to put kids to bed, my wife asked her to look at each other like, I'm. it's so hard to pause <laughs> to keep our eyes open long enough to be grateful for anything. And it's not like we're not grateful for everything, but man, it's tough. I hope I that know. it's better. I know. I have a really good friend who actually just gave me this tip this weekend, and I just implemented it, and, and she <laughs> called it a, pr- a praise pause. So on her phone, she set three alarms one at like 7.30, one at noon, and one at like 4.30, and it goes off, and all it just says is praise pause, and it's like, in this moment right now, what's something that I'm thankful for? And Uh. just adopting that attitude of gratitude right then, even if it's like a yucky moment, and you're tired, and kids are, (laughs) ah, you know, it's like, okay, I can be thankful that I have kids who are able to use their voice and run and play, and just, (laughs) it just flips it, you know, it flips that script. I'm still tired, and I still wish my kitchen were clean. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, Pausing to think think about how great it is my kids have voice. All I heard this morning was, Mom, Dad. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, I am grateful they can talk. Yes. Um, Christy, this was as awesome, uh, even better yeah. than I could have imagined. I know that we've been able to be on a webinar before and talked a couple of yeah. times, but this is a true, true pleasure. Thank you for making time to be with us. Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Dustin. Yeah, and we'll figure out a way to connect again soon. Sounds good to me. Come on down to Lyft. We'll record your podcast in our basement. That sounds awesome. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcasts on Apple or Spotify, and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.